Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're talking with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about the USC football team halfway through fall camp. The big scrimmage from Saturday where the defense shined. We're going to talk about all that. We have the coach, but we also have Keely Yor, USCfootball.com reporter, in studio as well. So uh, both of them were at the scrimmage and we're at the last couple of practices. So we're going to talk to them about what's been going on. With USC Football, answer all of your questions. If you have questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email, or you can call us or text us at 424-254-9141 is our number. Again, you can leave a voicemail or send us a text. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us some positive feedback, a five-star rating. We'd appreciate it. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast or any of the podcasting platforms we're on audio boom stitcher radio tune in radio uh, all that kind of stuff google play wherever you can uh, find podcasts you can find the peristyle podcast going into our 10th football season and coach harvey hyde's been here from the beginning keely you know the last three or so but almost uh, four almost four yeah see keely's been around a while <laughs> um but coach welcome to the program how are you doing i'm doing great it's another monday as we approach game day and uh Everything seems to be it's supposed to be. Yeah, uh, it's it's going along uh, on schedule. It's going by quickly, even though it started a week early. It seems like wow, it's going by fast. Um, but we wanted to talk about the scrimmage, and both you guys were there. I was in Chicago for a wedding. Our former beat writer Dan Wykey, who was on this podcast many times, so he got married in Chicago. So I was not there. So we're going to get you guys' thoughts. But before we jump into that. Wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything like a concert, theater, sporting events, uh, I know Lady Lady Gaga was just around she in was. town. I don't know if Keely, you were, were you there? Lady no, Gaga? I was not. A lot of a lot of Lady Gaga fans out there. Um, there were some other there were some other big concerts. Uh, Kendrick locally. Lamar was. Kendrick Lamar, okay. Yeah. I think Har- Harvey Hyde's a big fan. <laughs> um, Harvey oh Hyde, yeah, did, I'm a big fan. Yeah, <laughs> Lady Gaga. My kids went to that. Uh, uh, it was it was good. Night right. she was in Vegas and uh, two hour delay before she got started. Wow, oh, man, that's not good. They're her fans nope. must not have been happy. People weren't happy about that. Yeah, but uh, if you go to sctickets.com is their website, or give them a call one eight hundred eight 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 seven two eight seven if you need tickets for anything. Of course, the opener for uh, USC against Western Michigan starts uh, September second, and then there's two more games right after that. Uh, Stanford and uh texas so lots of good usc home games in the month of september if you need tickets for any of those you can go to sctickets.com and they will help you out um well coach and keely since i was not there like i said at the scrimmage um i tried to i was gonna try to fly back early but you know <laughs> it was rough it was a friday wedding so i could have technically made it back you slacker i was slack a little bit yeah <laughs> but the flight was not till sunday morning i came back early sunday um, but I wanted to get both of your thoughts. Uh, Coach, we'll start with you, and then we'll get Keeley before we jump into the questions. Uh, what did you think of the scrimmage? 
Well, I thought it was a normal type of scrimmage for this part of camp. What I mean by that, they're tired of seeing each other. They're tired of hitting each other. They've uh, been out there an extra week, and the kids really don't care if they're double days or single days. They would have rather got, they just want to get camp over now. It's at that point. Right now, the coaches are going in and they're watching the films, and I know immediately after practice, they said, we're not any good. I used to say that all the time about this part of camp. I'd say, we're really not any good. We're not coaching it with a darn. Uh, everything's not working. Uh, uh, because you get that. You sort of hit a wall about this time where the kids are tired of doing the same things. And and uh, all of the above, I could see that. I, I thought there was a lack of emotion on both sides of the football. The crowd was sort of out of it. Uh, as far as watching it, it was warm. Uh, so you start to, you know, uh, lack the enthusiasm and, and the players. Uh, it's about 70 plays, something like that. And they put the teams in both difficult situations. And, uh, you know, unless you game plan it, like I always tell you guys, you know, you've got to be able to build. They didn't spread the field. They didn't run as much outside as they have to. They never used Arnold as a running back. So you have run, one running back. They never hit the tight end. I don't think they threw a pass. The tight end the whole day just because uh, the tight ends hurt. There's other tight ends. You've got to spread the field so that everybody doesn't jump on all your receivers. They didn't throw many deep routes, uh, drag routes, things that, you know, loosen loosen up the defense. So the defense had an awesome day. So uh, there's reasons why the offense uh, did what they did, and there's reasons why the defense was successful. But you go back in there and you look at it all and you – you come out and uh, you say, well, we got to work on this, we got to work on that. But about this time of fall camp, everybody just says, we're tired, we need to rest, when is this going to be over with, are we any good, and all of the above. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the offense was just a little flat to begin with. I mean, every practice in fall camp, there's one practice that Helton brings an ice cream truck, and after the scrimmage, the offense didn't even want it. They kind of just walked <laughs> off. They were just, everyone was kind of frustrated, you know, but I think part of it is that it's just the middle of fall camp, and everyone's kind of just over it at this point, you know, but um the only bright spots on the offense were Tyler Vaughns, who was started on the second team, which was interesting considering he's been on the first team pretty much every rep of fall camp so far. I think that was kind of getting Steven Mitchell a shot to see if he's back yet. But you can't really hide Tyler Vaughn's on the second team. He was definitely a bright spot. Steven Carr looked really good, but again, that's against the second team and third team defenses. So how much is that? That. Um, but the defense looked good. How much of that was what Coach said? The offense just wasn't really doing it. So, I mean, the defense looks good throughout fall, I think, the question mark is the receivers. You know, you have Darnold, but how good is it if you have young receivers? And that's yeah. that's something that kind of stood out on Saturday. No uh, Deontay Burnett kind of sightings? I or? mean, his ankles are still – he has bruised ankles. So okay. he's kind of not the Deontay that we're used to seeing. So he was a little waylaid. But I think once he's healthy, that will be good, obviously. <laughs> and again, too, and again too, Keely and, and Ryan, you know, you've got to now – I think the next couple of weeks you're going to see more of a – of a uh, decision on who's going to be the receivers, mm-hmm. and uh, because you can't play everybody, you, uh, don't, uh, Sam's got to start looking at they're going to be in the game. They got to start understanding what they're going to do on certain coverages and learn the reads. And when I look at you, I mean this, or if I touch my helmet, I mean that. And 
all the different things that uh, receivers have to do as far as understanding the game. And they finished the year throwing to the tight end a lot and had a lot of success. And so far, I don't see that. So I think that they need to throw down the middle of the field. They need seam outs. They need curls. Uh, they need to run a draw here or there. You know, things that help balance your offense out. And uh, right now, they don't have that in, or they were trying to make it tough on the offense and see if you can get that difficult yard. But again, uh, you've got to somewhat give your offense a chance. And I don't know if your offense really had a chance on Saturday. Yeah, that was the other thing, is that you're missing... Uh, Daniel Imatorbebe and Tyler Petit, and you really felt their presence not there just because those are guys who not only can block but are a good receiving option. Yeah. Hey, Coach, The um, when it comes to what plays are run and all that, um, it seems like if the coaches wanted the offense to be have a good day or if they wanted the defense to you know do certain things, put a lot of pressure, you could kind of manipulate – results of the scrimmage do you feel like any of that may have been might have been going on where it was kind of skewed against the offense that day for a particular reason for coaching or anything along those lines yeah it can happen we we used to talk about that if we learned to do it the tough way rather than the easy way and they threw a lot of short passes a lot of short uh, uh, screen passes they got one score on one when he made a great move i forget who that was that made that move and scored a touchdown uh, the guy's still trying to get his knees checked out, the movie made on him. But, uh, but really, uh, yeah, you try to do it the tough way, and, and I think they were trying to do that. They really didn't run a lot of different routes. They ran a lot of fades. Uh, they ran a lot of those short passes in the flats. I mean, uh, the timing wasn't really there. Uh, it was just one of those days. It was just one of those days, and you're going to have one of those. So I saw Sam. Sam was somewhat flustered. Matt Fink really had a pretty good day. He threw pretty well. I really did think he did. I think he's coming along. But you're going to have those days, and you do make it tougher, like I've told you, in certain situations when you're forced to do things when possibly the odds are against you. But, again, now you can't do that all the time, or you're going to lose the confidence of your offensive football team. And then, and they haven't done that. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to have some success two along the way and you've got to utilize all your weapons and they haven't done that Kelly said they've got a couple of tight ends that are out but you still got to utilize your other tight ends and bring them along so that it helps your offense if you don't do that how do you know those guys are going to play anyway so you've got to build confidence with them and the relationship with the quarterback and the tight end and how they slide and get to the open area and all the different things now maybe didn't want to do they didn't want to do that but obviously uh, they made it difficult on the offense with the selection of plays and how they ran them. All right, Coach uh, and Keeley, let's talk uh, about the team. We're going to answer some questions that people have wrote in like we do every week. We'll start off with John and Brea. Do you think this week uh, is the week that Clay Helton stops messing around with the center position and names Nico Fala the starter? It's beginning to feel very Lane Kiffin-esque. That's John Abreu. We'll get your thoughts first, Coach, from you, and then we'll talk to Keeley, too. Well, I think you have to do that now. You've, uh, you're have you going to evaluate the film, and you're going to find out who your players are, and right now you're going to limit the reps that the tackles are going to get, and you're going to start to you know get people together and they understand their calls and recognitions, and, and you're going to go with that. And I think you've got it all decided except for one position, and that's the left tackle. 
And I think you've got great prospects there to decide who's going to play that position. And you've got to have some confidence in that individual and show him you have that confidence in that individual or limit it now to two people where they get reps and you're able to evaluate them. And if it doesn't happen against Western Michigan, well, you better get ready against Stanford because really they play as good a defense as they do offense, maybe better. Then you got to move someone out to that position. If you can't block the Western Michigan defensive ends or linebackers, you certainly aren't going to block Stanford's or Texas's. So you got to start finding out what you're going to do with that left tackle. The uh, intramural program is now over. You've got to have your players on the field. And no matter who's going to play that tackle, you've got to decide that and go with it. Mm-hmm. Helton was asked about it the other day, and he kind of alluded that it's going to the decision will be coming soon. Um, and I think it needs to just because I was talking to both Nico and Toa and it, they kind of alluded, they're not going to actually admit it, but they kind of alluded to that it's, it's getting kind of difficult because they're the one tracking their reps. Toa explained that every other practice, one of them starts and does two snaps at center, then moves over to tackle, does three snaps at tackle, then they switch over and they're the ones keeping track. And they were saying it's kind of hard to do that and learn both positions and get better. Um, but Helton the other day was commending Toa just specifically Toa and saying like he's done a really great job and kind of selfless. And Dan and I were kind of saying that that's kind of Helton's way of being like, okay, we're kind of going with Nico because (laughs) when you're that complimentary of a guy, you're kind of be like, he's great. And we're not giving him the position he wants, you know? Uh So if you're reading the tea leaves, that's what we're thinking. So interesting. Looking Mm -hmm. into the mind of uh, Clay Helton. Uh, I, I think that's kind of the way he does operate and uh you know we'll we'll be out of practice uh later today checking it out i'm curious to see if they make any kind of changes at this point um but yeah i i think john i I don't think this is lane kiffin-esque you're not talking about the starting quarterback that you don't have a starter for the second week of the season like actual games where you're like this is not like that but i think it's time to kind of go because then you know you're taking away right tackle reps from chuma doga um, I think Clayton Johnson, you know, if he, if he's going to be the backup left tackle, just being able to get him, uh, solid reps there. Now, what happens with Austin Jackson? Um, cause he's been getting, he's getting all the second team left tackle reps, I think, right, Keely? Or, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of what happens there. I don't know. Cause you, you think it's time though, huh? Oh, me? I certainly do. Yes. I think it's time and you don't worry about feelings. <laughs> you got to do what you've seen, and you've got to get your best players on the field, and you got to say if it doesn't get done by these players, we'll find somebody to get it done with. And uh, you've got to decide if you have a person that can play the left guard position that's good enough. Then you got to decide if you play uh, Lobodon at left guard, do you have a tackle that's good enough to carry at the left tackle spot? And uh, I think right now that's a big question mark. I think personally that. Lobodon should be at the left guard, but you've got three great middle people then, and the right tackle, Juma should do a great job, and then you have one position over there between Austin and Johnson and whoever else they want to throw in there that uh, I would think could be one of those two. They just say, okay, guy, this is your chance. Let's get after it. And uh, and, and I think that's what they got to do. Now, of course, if that doesn't work, like I mentioned, then you got to move him out there. Lobodon, you got to move him out there and see if, Chris Brown can play that left guard, which I really think Chris is a tackle, but uh, they are playing him at uh, left guard. Coach, how difficult is it um, for an offensive lineman? You know, it's you group them all together um, to to move. Like, yo, you're playing center one rep, and then 
uh, left tackle or right tackle the next rep? I mean, is that something that, yeah, it's okay. You can kind of handle it. Or is it, is it a difficult proposition because like footwork's different? You got to think about different things. Um, how difficult do you think that is? No, it's difficult because remember on the center, when you're the center, you have many responsibilities. You got to call the defense. You got to snap the ball. You got to block somebody and you got to make sure the snap is right. You know, when you're a guard, you just lay down or it's not lay down. You get in your stance and basically uh, look at the defense and go on the movement or whatever the snap count is. So it's a lot difficult, uh, more difficult to play center. And I think what they're saying by rotating these two guys is they're saying the younger centers, the younger centers aren't ready to play. I mean, I don't want to say that because I think these players someday will be players, but they're not ready now. So that's why they're rotating the left guard, Lobanon and Fala, because they need to have a back not uh, that, that plays up to the ability that you have to have at center. So they're, they're thinking that if Fala went down, that Lobanon would go to center, and they'd be stronger with another person at the left guard than if they had to play one of the young centers. That's basically what they're telling you without telling you. All right. Uh, let's move on to Tarek. He says, do you think Stephen Carr has a chance to be the number two back? Seems to do something special uh, on a daily basis. What do you think, Coach? Well, I'd like to hear Kelly on this first. I'd like to hear Kelly's. Uh, Keely. And then I'll see if I agree. Keely, I, Keely, you know who I'm talking about, right? I do. I do. Don't worry. I get that a lot. <laughs> but let me tell you, I used to call my players that sometimes. My players would come up to me and say, hey, coach. It's not that. It's this. And I said, well, you know who I meant. And they said, yeah, we know who you meant because you, you do that to everybody. And I said, okay, I'm, but I apologize, okay? No, it's all good. I'm used to it. We've been doing this for 10 years, and he calls me Brian a lot. So, like, you know, that's fine. It happens. It happens. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm in the minority, but I definitely think Stephen Carr has a definite shot for the number two shot uh, spot. You know, I think it's kind of like if you look back at, um, I think a couple seasons ago when you had Buck Allen – Justin Davis and then Rojo as the number three. And then Rojo kind of crept into the number two back spot. I think it's kind of like that. If you want a spark, you're going to want to put Stephen Carr in, I think, over Akasetric Ware. They're definitely different backs, but I think Stephen Carr is just such, so far he's been such a special player that you want to get him the reps on the field. So. Well, I think he's going to be a special player. I agree 100%. I don't think they'll redshirt him. I want you to know that for sure. But I think that personally he probably may be uh, the second best back now, but I don't think that they'll play him as maybe the second best back early in the season because of lack of experience. But I think he'll definitely get rotations in there. And uh, I think that after he proves himself that he can do what everyone is expecting him to do, then he will be number two because I really believe he is the potentially uh, the second best back and eventually the best back. Yeah, he's got not this year with Rojo, but I'm talking about in the future. So you certainly want him to get the experience and the confidence and everything that you recruited him on to, on that field. And he's got a great feel for the football. He, he makes uh, nice moves. He's got he's demonstrated he has great speed. So, yeah, he, and I would say that if you just were to put a depth chart together without talking about experience or talking about uh, who deserves what or whatever, he'd be number two in my book, too. So it's interesting. People will post on the message board or they'll ask us some questions sometimes about 
this guy could come in for this situation. We haven't seen USC be very situational when it comes to using running backs. It's kind of like, here's this guy gets a series and this guy gets a series. Now there's certain like, like short yards. They might do that, but there it's not like they're bringing in like third down backs or they're, they're not very specialized when it comes to that. And I think the more things you kind of bring to the table, then they feel comfortable putting you out there. And the, the good thing, if you're a Stephen Carr fan is, yeah, he's explosive and he's got great moves and stuff and he's got speed, but he catches the ball really well. Maybe the best, you know, pass catcher out of the backfield. Certainly now that Dominic Davis is gone, I would, I would put him as number one. Um, and he's a, he's a good pass blocker for a true freshman already too. So because he can do all of that, I could see him getting, you know, series in there. Now maybe they switch up how they rotate backs in and stuff. Um, it was just weird. I mean, people would kind of complain. If Justin Davis was on a roll, the next series he's out, right? Utah like, game. <laughs> Utah, yeah, there's just like, they don't really seem to go with the hot hand. Now you got Dylan McCullough. So you have a new running backs coach. Um, we're not sure how that's going to work, but we haven't seen at least so far USC be like real specialized. Like, okay, third down package. Here's Stephen Carr coming. In. Like yeah. you could see that because he brings something different to the table, but I, I don't know, coach. I haven't seen that. Do you, have you seen much of that out there? No, I hope I don't. You don't uh, like I really it. Okay. Do. Yeah. You know, I feel I think you you get your best players on the field. You don't give away any formation tendencies or down distance uh for me, uh play tendencies and and uh, you let a guy get a feel of the game. Uh if you run the play just once and you're off the field and you're back on the field, you never never get a chance to recognize what you're facing, who you're facing, what you did wrong the last play and what you won't do the next play. So I really think you should stay in there several series and get a feel of the game and do well. Now, of course, if you're hurt or you're tired, and I used to tell guys if you get tired, that's a bad indication to me because you're not in shape. Because the worst thing that gets me is when a guy runs 30 yards and looks at the sideline and points to his helmet, I need to take a break. Uh, I mean, don't look at me. I'm going to look away from you. You stay in the game. (laughs) Because, you know, these guys think that they want to draw attention to themselves and come out of the game because they made a big play. No, you stay in the game and you play. Because if you come out, you might not go back in. But, again, I like the the theory of what USC does. If you remember Lane Kiffin and Sarkeesian, if a back ever fumbled a football, he never played again. I've never heard anything like that. I remember talking about that on our podcast was absolutely ridiculous but now i think that they uh i think i agree with their philosophy as far as and what i've seen is let a guy play the game let him play the game let him get a feel of being on the field and the crowd and the turf and all the things you have to get used to and being hit and uh, the things you need to do as far as recognizing defenses i really believe that yeah, it's, uh, I, I kind of get the feeling that you might see a little bit more of the hot hand stays in there. And if you are a Stephen Carr fan, that gives him a great opportunity because I see him getting a series or two, you know, you see him getting in there and maybe it's not, you know, right away. Maybe he's not in there, but if he gets in there and is magic and the fans are all clamoring for him to, to run the, I mean, that, that'll be his thing. It's a kind of like an audition. And then if he starts on a roll, he could make it hard for other backs to get in there no matter, you know, no matter who it is. So we'll see. We just don't know, uh, what the rotation is going to be like. You kind of assume it'll be similar to last year, but you do have a new running backs coach and there's some opportunities there. He's been very successful and they've had, you know, strong number one backs when he was at Indiana. And, uh, you know, you, you figure that's probably good for, for Ronald Jones, 
but it could be something good for Stephen Carr too. You you know, let me let me tell you. You know, I'm not big in rotations, and it all falls under the head coach as far as what the running back coach does. Okay, it's his philosophy. It's Clay Helton. If he decides that he wants to rotate Stephen Carr, he'll do that. He says, you lead the other guy in, and I'll tell you when to take him out. If there's too much rotation, that's what happens. Or you're looking for a new job. I think that if Stephen Carr has the opportunity of playing, leave him in the game. That's the only way he's going to become a better football player. You can walk through drills and scrimmage and do thud and all this. You don't become a better football player by doing that. You become a better football player when you play the game of football. And he gets two or three or four series in a row. He's capable of being a great player. Or don't put him in the game. So if you put him in the game and you have that type of confidence to get with him, let him become a football player. Let him become a football player in front of everybody, not because the fans want to see him. I mean, I know we have a lot of fans that are listening, but it's in the best interest of the football team, okay? That's what it's all about. Any other thoughts, Keely? You good? No, covered it. All right. Uh, yeah, the, the whole running back rotation will be interesting. You got Vavai. Uh, you know, he's. Who's also a great catcher. Yeah, he can catch the ball well. Uh, power guy. So, you know, there's going to be some guys that aren't going to be getting carries or a lot of, you know, and, and they're talented. They're going to be on the bench. So we'll see, uh, what happens there. We had a couple questions, coach and Keeley about, uh, Jamel Cook. So if you don't know, he came in out of, uh, Miami. Um, came in with, uh, Keyshawn Young and started off as a safety. Then we saw him at nickel. Uh, he's been playing cornerback now. We we'll start off backing up Jack Jones. I think he's backing up, uh, Iman Marshall's side, um, right now. And he ended up, uh, you know, hurting his ankle. So he redshirted last year. He's a redshirt freshman. Looked really good in the spring. Uh, I think it was, uh, Jamal, uh, sent us a text question about him and Eric and Duck Country too. What are you going to know? Basically the same thing. Where's Jamal Cook? After his impressive spring game, I haven't heard anything. Did I miss something? Thanks as always. So kind of get your thoughts first, Coach, and then we'll go to Keeley too. Well, I think he's really a talented player. But, you know, he didn't get very much experience last year because he's basically hurt most of the year. He started to get his experience uh, during the spring, and I thought he really looked good during the spring. He was doing well at safety. Then all of a sudden, if you remember, in the spring game, they had him out of corner for about the first time. And I was a little bit surprised there. He was out there, but he did a pretty good job. I think right now he's struggling a little bit. He got beat Saturday on a big pet play. Uh, I think he's struggling a little bit. I think he needs to gain some confidence. Uh, he's a tall kid. He's got a lot of body to control. And at the corner position, that's very tough to go against quick guys that can run fast. And then you got to come up, make the play on a run. But uh, I like him as an athlete. And I like him as an individual. He's always smiling and talking to people. and uh, He's a football player, okay? But as I watch him, I'm starting to think that possibly he's a better inside guy than he would be an outside guy. Like, he has the frame to go to 220, 225, and really be a great player. Now, they have some safeties that are freshmen. But I think that maybe he might be an inside guy. But I'm not the one to make that call. I don't watch all the tapes. But what I'm able to see during the scrimmages or during the drills, I'm starting to get that feeling. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's also just, I think he's a little overwhelmed right now. You know, the freshman part of his 
class kind of caught up. And I think it's not, it's harder to make those flashy plays now. And I think he's just, like Coach says, struggling a little bit. So that's why you haven't heard as much about him. All right. <laughs> well, you know, the flashy plays are not, we're not seeing much of them anymore. I don't know. There's, not, I mean, sort of. I mean, but in spring, it was almost like, and Jamel Cook had another interception yeah. today, you know? And we're just not hearing that right now. It seemed like he started off, um, you know, well, and I, over the summer he was doing well, I think in the summer workouts and stuff, he had a bunch of plays. Um, yeah, we'll see them move him around. Um, he's so, he just, he does bring something different to the table though. As, yeah. as long as he is that length, um, I kind of feel that you might not have heard much about him now, but you will. I just, yeah, that doesn't mean that you're not going to hear about yeah. him. It's just right now. It's a little, yeah. Silly. And you know, maybe there's some stuff, you know, it's sometimes players can get in the doghouse a little bit. Maybe it's something like that. If like, if he missed a meeting or something or that, you know, it's, it's about kind of confidence and trust. It's not always the best player and Clancy Pendergast can get like that sometimes where if he, if he lost confidence for some reason. But when I talked to Clancy earlier in camp, you know, I think you can get the feeling when he doesn't feel like a dude can get out there and contribute. And I never got that feeling. It sounded like, yeah, he's, you know, bringing something to the table. So don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, if you're a big, uh, Jamel Cook fan, don't worry too much. I kind of still feel you're going to see him out there, but, um, you're right though. With the last week or so, we haven't, we had, certainly have not seen as much or heard as much from him. Um, coach, do you ever do that? Do you get players in the doghouse sometimes and they might be the, I'm not saying that he is. I'm just saying <laughs> that's possibly like, sorry, I don't want to like throw out rivers, but where a guy could be like the best player, but he did something wrong and you just don't feel confident putting him out in the field. No, not if he's a great player. <laughs> Always find a way to get him on the field. It was my fault, okay? But somebody didn't treat him right. And the reason why he didn't go to class, the door was locked. Or they moved to class. No, I'm just kidding, everybody. <laughs> when, when, nice, coach. You know, sometimes you got to let a player know who's in control. You know, the players sometimes think they're in control. you got to let them know who the box is, uh, boss is. And you never let a player know that don't mistake kindness for weakness. I think that's the best way to explain it. I used to tell my team, hey, just because I'm nice to you, that doesn't mean I'm weak, okay? If I need to make the right decision for the best interest of the team, I can make that decision. Don't challenge me on it, but you might be the guy. So, you know, uh, you know, he, you know, if you're in the doghouse, you get out the doghouse. There might be times when I really get mad at a guy because I've told him not to do something, either on the field or off the field, and he's done it. And, uh, then I have to counsel him a little bit. But I'm certainly not going to run a player off or hurt the team by not playing the best players because the players know who the best players are. And I can't hurt them. I can't hurt the entire team because of that. We'll solve it another way, not not play them. Yeah, um, we'll see. And just to be clear, you know, I'm not saying that that's happened. We don't know uh, that. That Just sometimes that's one of the reasons where there's internal politics. Not- I don't want to say politics, but there's something going on that we don't know about that maybe you're not seeing as many reps. But he's been getting steady uh, second team reps, and you know we'll, we'll keep watching him out there and uh, and check out how he's his progress. Well, you know, going. guys, it's going to be tough to break in that secondary, so he's doing a good job. Yeah. Second team. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. They got two returning safeties. They got a returning uh, corner. Two recording returning corners. So you know, he's all right. He's all right. He's yeah. going to be fine. I'd put my arm around him and tell him that he's going to be a great one and someday he's going to play on Sunday. That's where I'd motivate him. 
All right, let's go. We got uh, Reggie in Seattle. He um, had a comment. Uh, he said, Stephen Mitchell appears to be the forgotten man. But I would suggest that everybody hold that thought. Mitchell is probably the most experienced wideout on the team, and his experience has to be valuable uh, if he's able to make it all the way back from a physical and mental standpoint. Do you think he will see a lot of action this year? I realize when healthy that Burnett had all but taken his job in the slot. What do you think Steven's role will be with the team this year? As always, fight on uh, Reggie in Seattle. Well, my feeling is this. Uh, I think it's been very unfortunate for Stevie Mitchell. I watched him play in high school. Ryan, you did. Everybody did. He's a great player, okay? The injuries have really hurt him. And I think a little bit discouraged him. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not out there trying, but all of a sudden when you have a uh, someone playing your position that had the game that Dante Burnett had in the Rose Bowl game, and you're coming off an injury, it sometimes says, wow. What else can go wrong with me? I think that uh, he is a slot player. I don't think he's an outside uh, receiver. I don't. But, again, what do I know? I'm not coaching the receivers. I think that uh, Burnett is a slot receiver, and I think that's where he'll stay because he's had such great success there and runs his route so well there. I think Stevie is going to have to uh, wait for his opportunity. As far as the other outside positions, we're not talking about who's playing them currently right now, but I think Stevie Mitchell coming out of high school was as good as I've seen. And I think that, uh, unfortunately, he's been injured, and someone who played his position has come in and done a tremendous job. So I think that's what's facing him right now. He's got to get realistic about it. He's got to work hard, keep his head up, and uh, if the opportunity comes, be ready. I completely agree. You pretty much covered it. I mean, like, Stephen Mitchell got first-team reps in the scrimmage, and there was nothing that made you think, wow, they've been hiding this guy in the second team. You know, it was just like, okay, there some catches, some missed balls, and then there was nothing that was like, you need to play Stephen Mitchell now over yeah. Deontay Burnett. So, Yeah, it's. Uh, I think he'll get – we'll see him in the games. He'll get opportunities there, and it'll be sort of like – a reverse of what you saw with Deontay Burnett, who was getting his opportunities and then just played so well, you couldn't not have him in there. And at, so far, we haven't seen them move either of those guys to other positions. So you figure Burnett's going to get in there, but they're going to, you know, Mitchell will play some too. Now, if he gets in games and him and Darnold have good chemistry, it'll force him to be on the field. If they're like, look, we have to get both these guys in there, then maybe someone moves or something. We haven't seen that movement yet. I don't know if you have you seen them. Yeah, they've both been playing that same spot. Uh, you know, when there's four wide receivers, maybe there's some opportunities there. But it's going to be, for me, he'll have to perform in game. He'll get chances in games. He's going to have to perform there and show, you know, prove that he belongs. Because it's going to be real easy to keep an effective Deontay Burnett in there because they know what they have. I agree. All right. Um, thanks, Coach. Well, let's <laughs> see. Uh, let's go. I think we're going to Hawaii. Oh. It's, uh, well, he, sa- he says it in NorCal. Uh, Harold and NorCal, but he starts off with Aloha, Ryan, a podcast team. So oh. there's some Hawaiian roots there. Uh, Aloha, uh, Harold. He said, first off, fantastic job uh, with the whole off-season coverage from recruiting to camps and practices. Thank you, Harold. Your Twitter post about the kickers is concerning. Are we in for a healthy dose of, uh, quote-unquote, big balls clay this year, which would mean going for it on fourth down a lot? Also, what's your read? Mm-hmm. 
on the maturity level of this team? Do you see any uh, cracks in the mental focus caused by the preseason rankings and predictions? Thanks for the discussion and all you do. Fight on, Harold uh, NorCal Trojan. Start with you, Coach, on the if you're talk about the kickers and the mental maturity level of this team. All right, let's start with the kickers, because that's going to be the story of the headlines of the entire year, okay? At US, UCLA is going to be, can they run the football? And at USC is, what about their place kicking, field goal kicking, and this and that. They certainly, and if you're a parent and you're uh, a player that uh, is a kicker, you're going to agree with me, I think. First of all, uh, it has been really raggy. In fact, uh, number one, uh, the number one thing I think the kickers have lost and the team has lost, and this is very important when your team stands there and watches your place kicker miss field goals and field goal after field goal, they look at each other. Don't think they, they don't. And they say, what do we have going on out here? And it loses the confidence of your entire team and coaching staff. What are we going to do about this? Or what's going to happen? Or are we going to be a four down team or whatever? So the first thing you have to do is build the confidence back in your entire football team as far as your kicking game is concerned. I haven't seen many kickoffs, so I don't know the depth or the strength of their legs. Maybe someone else can talk about that. But I would take them back to the 10-yard line or the 5-yard line, and I would make them make 20 in a row there, do whatever they have to do, to know they still are the same great kickers they are, and the team starts to gain the the confidence and you just kick and kick and kick. I wouldn't move them back. I wouldn't do anything until they understood that, hey, it's just as easy to kick uh, uh, a PAT as it is to kick a 20- or 30-yard field goal. It's almost the same difference, no difference. Just kick it. And I wouldn't allow them to do anything else till I got their confidence back, and I wouldn't wear their legs out. Because right now they're thinking before they're kicking, they're changing their angles, they're trying to do everything they can to swing their leg, the holder, all of that. So you got to go back and start from square one so that the team and everybody gets the confidence back and knows exactly what's happening with your kickers. And over in the sideline, everybody's saying, I bet he makes this one. I bet he misses that one. I bet this, I bet that. Well, that's what the team's saying, too. It's not just us in the media area or anywhere else. Everybody's saying that. So you've got to be able to get that straightened away. Now, the second thing, if they don't improve... I would go to the student body. First of all, I hate to see him in this situation. You've got kickers in that student body, and I'd invite somebody to come out. I don't know where they're from, India, Mexico. Someone's played soccer. Someone's kicked a football. And they'd be a walk-on, of course, and they don't worry about coming out late. I bet you somebody on that campus can kick the ball out of the stadium on a, on a kickoff. I'm just telling you the truth. I've done it before, and it's happened. And uh, Mike Lanford was a soccer player, okay, from Arcadia High School and became a great place kicker at Paston City College. So you've got to find someone to answer this and take care of this. And first of all, you owe it to the players on your team first. But there's nothing against finding out from someone on campus who has played soccer or who has kicked in high school that can do a better job than they're doing right now. But I'm not looking for that right now. Right now I'm looking for building the confidence back of the kickers. Now, that's the first half of his question. Well, yeah, well, we'll do kickers for now. So, Keely, what are, any thoughts on the kickers? Yeah, it's definitely a confidence issue because it's not like there's, like, a range and then suddenly they start missing. It's like Michael Brown will make a 45-yarder and then miss a 25-yarder. You know, it's not like 
theirs. I mean, Michael Brown is confident in kickoffs. He's definitely better there. But at the scrimmage, Michael Brown was two for six. Chase McGrath was one for three. So it's definitely an issue that's not. And, and the thing is, is like Coach said, the team, you know, when they miss, the whole field just gets quiet. Yeah. I think everyone just knows that this is an issue. Um, I mean, when Clay Helton was asked about it, he just sighed. And, like, Helton <laughs> is good at disguising things. He's good at being very positive. He, like, sighed and he said, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm thinking, God, we have three weeks to figure it out. Well, now they have two weeks to figure it out. And <laughs> nothing hasn't, nothing has really been solved yet, you know? So I definitely think this is an issue going into the season. I mean, it's, it's looking at like they're starting to change game strategy. That's yeah. what Helton alluded to. And that looks, looks like what they're doing. Huh. Yeah. You know, I've never, I'm not a big, like, concerned about kicker but like if there was multiple facets of special teams that were bad where you knew kickoffs weren't going to get in the end zone if you felt like chris tilby wasn't gonna be able to punt like, i think that would be more concerning there this is one aspect of being able to kick the, the ball through the uprights and i don't know like yeah there was big you know matt boardmeister that was or boardmeister that was big last year but they got Sam Darnold, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, if you want to be big balls clay and just go for it, fourth down until you get inside the 20, like, I don't have an issue with that either. Yeah. I mean, he's alluding to it. I mean, but it's at the point where if Adori was on, still on the team, I'd be like, let's try out Adori there because uh-huh. it's not impressive. Okay. So USC doesn't have a men's soccer team, but they have a women's soccer team. Now, how cool would that if that you had like, really like cool. have a, a I woman would sign up for that? Yeah. That. Like, get, you know, get like I, to have a female. What was the, there was a movie like Re- necessary roughness or something. I think with like Kathy Ireland, if I don't, I'd have to go back and look that up. But, um, <laughs> coach, would you mind having like a female kicker? She could put it through the uprights. I think it'd be kind of cool. I'm for having anybody <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> kick the ball through the uprights. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm just saying somewhere on campus, okay, there's someone from the world somewhere <laughs> that was a great kicker as far as a soccer t- kicker. And there's no difference on a kickoff of kicking a soccer ball or a football. Don't expect him to make the tackle because a kicker never makes the tackle anyway. <laughs> so just have him go in, and if he's a good enough kicker, you don't even have to put the other ten guys on the field. You just kick it out of the end zone, and that's it. You don't worry about covering the kickoff, okay? Somewhere, there's somebody that can do that on that campus, if you had to. And I'm not saying you'll get an SOS out. I'm just saying if you had to, you could do it. you got to find out. Uh, oh, do you have another comment on no. that? Okay, the second part of the question, and we actually had another kind of question along those same lines, uh, about the, the maturity level of this team kind of cracks in the mental focus caused by the preseason rankings and predictions. And um, Neil and Manila, we love our international questions. Um, he was con- he said, how concerned are you guys that USC in 2017 will be similar to UCLA going four and eight in 2016? That seems like a pretty big drop off, but <laughs> yeah. USC will have uh, uh, new receivers and an unproven offensive line to go with an outstanding defense. Those are some similarities, but I don't see that as a case. But just in general, Coach, the potential for what happened in 2012 when USC was expected to, you know, be preseason, whether they're preseason number one or number two or whatever, and then finish seven and six. Um, any kind of concerns with that? Well, as a football coach, I'm scared as hell, okay? Because you're scared as hell no matter who you play. 
but now you're really scared before every game or before everything because you don't know what to expect. You don't know really what you have. And man, after the first game, now don't get me wrong, you should beat the first, win the first game and don't accept it. it, it don't think it's an automatic. But uh, man, you got Stanford and they're very good at what they do. Very, very good at what they do. I'm scared to death of Stanford. Hell, they believe that they can beat USC. They really do and they've shown they can. Does USC have the confidence that they can beat Stanford? I don't know. That's something you have to tell me. And I'm scared. I don't know if we, we have that yet in our, in our arsenal. But we've got to prove that we do. Then you've got Texas coming to town. I think they have 16 or 18 returning starters. Now, they've got athletes on their team. I mean, this isn't left over with the cupboards bare. And Tom Herman, I don't know if you know Tom Herman, but Tom Her- Herman is a motivational heck of a football coach that's beat a lot of teams in upsets while he was at Houston, and not bad, too, on some of the other locations he was at. So I'm scared as hell as far as everyone expecting us to be a great football team. I'm talking as a coach, and I'm hoping that my team, I'm preparing to accept these challenges, and they feel like I do. Now, you never know how a team feels. But you've got to be able to get them to understand what we need to do. Last year has nothing to do with this year. And you've got to understand that these people aren't going to lay down. These people are going to come after you every single down. And they're great athletes, and they do what they do well. So as far as I'm concerned, all the raving that's going on and so on, as a coach, I'm scared as hell. So that's the best way I can explain it. And I think from a coach standpoint, I think Helton is kind of that way just because from spring he he like drilled into their heads that this is Rose Bowl's over, like this is a new season. But as far as the mental maturity of the team, I think this is the most one of the most mental mature teams that I've seen since I've been here, which is not that long, but you know, uh I just cuz as far as fall camp goes, it just seems like business as usual. It seems like mid-season practices. They have they have it down. They know what they're doing. The only thing that I think is concerning and this kind of appeared on Saturday in that scrimmage is just the youth on the team. You know, a lot of these guys aren't tested yet. So, and that you can't really know until you get into game situations. Yeah. Um, but that's not something that they can really help because that's experience versus like mental maturity. And I think they are mature. I mean, the first fight of fall camp only broke out a couple of days ago, which usually it's earlier because these guys <laughs> get sick of each other. But, you know, it was quick and it was between Wally and I think Austin Jackson, but they were, the players were quick to shut it down. I mean, Kenny Bigelow yelled at Wally, like, this is not what we do. Like, and a lot of the players were mad at Wally for like disappointed, you know, for doing that. So I think mental maturity, it's there. Just the inexperience is also there too. And will be seen. Yeah. And I think inexperience, at the head coaching position yeah. as well. Um, but I don't see, you know, I could see them losing some games for sure. I mean, we, there's a lot of unknowns. It's not like any kind of guarantee, but to have the kind of collapse that you saw in 2012, there was a lot of that. I feel, and we'll get your thoughts on this coach coming from the top where the stupid off the field distractions, there were so many changes that were made. They acted like it was different from 2011 to 2012. I don't think Clay Helton is acting like it's different. Now, mentally, it could be. I mean, you're talking about 17, 18, 19-year-old guys. 
yeah, that could change how all of them approach it in their heads. And, you, you know, there's stuff that you can't do, but you're not seeing the same kind of like, uh, changes that were, we've seen with Lake. Lake Kevin treated it differently when the expectations were ratcheted up. And I'm just not sure that you're seeing Clay Helton do that. I, I think that's a good approach. What do you think, coach? Oh, I think it's, you've got to use the approach. You've got to use it. You've got to be who you are and you've got to pass on the message. But I'm just saying there's a urgency to this. And there's a, every play is the biggest play of the game. You don't know what play it's going to be. And you've got to prepare yourself for toughness, mentally, no foolish mistakes, no penalties to beat great football teams. You can't just show up as people think you're going to be pretty good and you think you're going to win. I think they have all the talent in the world. I wouldn't change the roster with any team in the Pac-12. Not one team in the Pac-12 would I change the roster for, okay? But I think that this team has got to go out and perform, and I can't tell you how they're going to perform until they get on the field. I'm hoping that they perform to the level that we all anticipate and hope they do. All right, Coach Keeley, good stuff. Uh, thanks for everyone for sending in those questions. We have a bunch more. We'll have uh, Dan Weber on this week. We might do another uh, podcast as well. So I didn't, I didn't get to all the questions, but you know, you guys have sent in a bunch. Hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, that. We'll try to get to, to all of them. Keep sending them in and uh, we'll keep answering them. And it's full swing now. Fall camp is halfway done. And uh, what, what do we have? Uh, 16 days or something until the first game, something like that. Just over two weeks. Um, yeah, so it's uh it's pretty crazy that the football season's almost here. But thanks, Keely, for uh coming in the studio and hanging with us. And thank you. And uh coach, of course, thank you for uh joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. And you can go to coachharveyhyde.com as well. Lots of good stuff up on the site, right, Coach? It was Keely is my name, huh? Yeah. I like that. It helps people. Keely is my name. Not Kelly. Well, that's Keely. good. I really look forward to seeing you guys or talk to you again. And again, for all of our callers out there and people who listen to the show, we appreciate it. And again, I always say this after every podcast. It's just our opinion, and you're entitled to yours, too. Call in if you have any uh, disagreements or agreements or whatever you need to know. We'll do our best. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Keely. Thanks, Coach. And thanks for all of you for listening to this edition of the Peristyle podcast. Uh, we'll be back, we'll be back, uh, most likely tomorrow talking with Dan Weber. And we got, we're going to get some updates on that, uh, live radio, um, no longer going to be available inside the Coliseum. So I've got some, working some sources on that one. So we'll, uh, we'll get some more information on that, but hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle podcast and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC tickets is your concert, sports and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.